and rainbows, life of an oncology parent. This podcast will share rare stories and experiences from three oncology parents and their time in hospital. We will bring focus to topics around supporting your oncology child whilst still doing the impossible, still making your mental and physical health as a carer a priority. Each month it will be presented by myself, founder of Win the Day charity, Christy Giddo, a parent on maintenance schedule with their child, Stephen Brown, and a parent still undergoing aggressive treatment, Natalia Pripik. Join us as we attempt to unpack the storms, such as sensitive conversations about the struggles of cancer and the unknown outcomes, but also the rainbows, such as the small winds and how we try to conquer each and every moment whilst battling our child's cancer in hospital. We will also talk about how we've tried to come to terms with our new normal for our family. Storms and Rainbows, Life of an Oncology Parent. Oh my goodness, it's been far too long since we've done one of this team. Welcome Nat and Steve and welcome listeners to our next podcast of Storms and Rainbows, Life of an Oncology Parent. Nat, we need to start with you. Welcome back. You're back from Sydney. How many days was it? So we've been back for five days after being away for a total of 11 months. Um, I fortunately got back in that time, a handful of times, but Sophia was away for the whole 11 months and, wow, 
Oh, it's it's in a blink of an eye. It, you, you kind of almost we feel like we're drawn back to where we were, but there's just so much more to deal with. Um, but we will talk about that another time. Um, but yeah, it's great to be back. It's great to be back. I can't. Oh, I can somewhat hear your relief in your voice, but I know that you've just moved into a brand new house, so you've got a thousand packing boxes around you. So <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's slightly clouded the happiness in your voice. But let's get into it. So we each episode cover a storm, so something that we find quite confronting as oncology parents. And then a rainbow, so something that we've found really important through our journey. So, Steve, I'm going to bring you in, and and you came up with a really uh, prevalent, I would say, issue that most oncology families have experienced, and that is that anxious wait for results. Yeah, yeah. So um, welcome back, Nick, and it's awesome to have you back in Canberra. But, yeah, that anxious wait for a result is my... This one thing that's really been, I guess, mentally hitting me because I, you come back to Canberra after we were in Sydney for nine months and went through all ups and downs, and then you, for some reason, you get into like a, a normal life again, which is great. But then we're coming up to the final, you know, BMA, um, which is you know the seventh of September, and those the concerns of everything and those feelings are rushing back because oh, you've got to go back to Sydney and do the final test and you're, it's the one thing you're hoping on as a parent is that final one comes back that it's going to be clear and all good and your child will be, you know, on the way to better health and have to, I guess, stop taking the tablets and those things. Um, so that's really been playing on my mind. I wanted to discuss that today. Um, and, you know, if you guys have any questions, something that may give me to talk about it a bit more, let me know because it's um, – it's really been playing my lately, and I'm, I'm looking forward excitedly, but at the same time, I'm really nervous when, um, you know, I may not need to be. Can I just ask, Steve, when you say it's playing on your mind, what does that mean? Does it consume you whilst, you know, you're lying in bed at night? Does it, are you entertaining receiving the news that's not going to be good so that you're prepped in case you do get that sort of news? Yeah, to be honest, I'm I've I've prepped my life in case everything's worst case scenario. <laughs> it sounds stupid, but that's how I like to plan things, just in case. Particularly, you know, when uh, my daughter got sick, Marion, um, I just planned for the worst, and it was very uh, abrupt and changed the lives of all of our family uh, in the beginning. But now I've had time to prep, which makes I want to make my life easier. So, you know, I'm on a... Yeah. Stephen, I just want to just bring to attention that, um, so for the families out there, no, you're obviously, um, you're a blood cancer family. And um, for many of us, the journey is you have your treatment. It goes on for a number of months. Once the treatment's completed and you've completed the protocol, you're sent off home and you're on what's called maintenance. And then at the two-year mark is the big, it's almost like this big reveal of, has it worked? You know, you've done the big treatment, you've done the maintenance, and then you're having that final test. And that's what you're waiting for now. And and I can understand that anxiety of that feeling because I've been there and we've been passing, unfortunately, we were in that small percentage that did relapse. But 
it is a long period to wait for that big two-year mark. And, yeah, it is It is something that would play on your mind. I completely get it. And sitting here, having been through it, you know, I'm trying to find comforting words, but it's hard to take that away from a parent when you care for your child so much, you know, that you think that it could happen all again, that trauma of it. Um, but all I have to say is having been through it and having been you know, having a child that actually did relapse and we found out at that time, you know, I knew it because it was in my gut. Go with your gut instinct and if you feel good, go into it feeling good if you can find it in you to do it. Yeah, thanks, Nat. Like, because I, I remember when we had discussion the other week and you're like, you reassured me that, you know, from this it's going to be okay and regardless and that's what um, really made it a lot easier for me but it is still that... Um, Regardless, whatever the outcome is, which I feel good, like it's you know it's going to be good. I just feel like I don't want to um, be put in a situation to make it harder. So I know it sounds silly, but I've put things in place that if it does happen, I don't have to work for a long time um, to uh, to do that, you know, hundred percent care or whatever it is, and just be there. Um, and that's the whole thing. Is I'm just uh, worried that. Just in case, it's a very small chance mm. that it will happen. Um, but, you know, that's the whole thing. That's that's a sensible thing to do. I mean, I'm still doing it now. You know, we're back off the second time and I'm still thinking forwards with things that I'm doing now about should we have end up back in Sydney again, you know, am I doing the right thing in the moment now and not taking for granted where we are, but still not living in the negative. And I yeah. don't know how to articulate my words to say what that is. I'm not thinking about it negative. I'm not always doom and gloom, but, hey, we've been through it once, been through it twice. Let's be realistic. It could possibly happen again. And, yeah. yeah. Do you know so, what? But um, it's a yeah, it is a, it's a very natural thing. You're right, Nat. And I think it's something you could give as many comforting words to a parent that's feeling that, but it's a process, isn't it? And really it's, um, I, th- I feel like it's trauma. Like I think we've all been traumatised through this process and I think you remember what it felt 100%. like. You remember what it felt like to first hear the news that your child has got cancer and the guilt that came with that and you think, how did we miss it? when in actual fact it's this invisible disease that really you you weren't supposed to detect it. You know, it was just it was a course of time. It was it was just going to naturally reveal itself when it was time to reveal itself. But it's very hard to take away what those feelings felt like and the trauma that you've been through to get your child to the point that they're up to now. And like Nat, we relapsed and I remember my first um, feelings were anger towards myself and Nat, you were, I think you remember, you were one of my first people that I called when we relapsed and I thought, I don't know um, how I'm going to do this again, you know, because you know how hard and how much it impacts everyone around you. But like Nat said, Steve, um, it's your gut and I think you've already said on, on this podcast you feel good and you know things will be okay, but you're just in the back of your mind always planning for worst case, which, again, I think is instinctively something that we do as parents. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, to go back earlier when Nat was explaining that um, my daughter's got um, pre-BALL, 
Um, we're on protocol nine. So this is the, the final step of protocol nine. If you're on number 10, it's a totally different treatment plan. So you'll have to talk to your doctor about that. But, you know, this is what I meant to prepare myself when they gave me the, I guess, the delivery schedule. So, you know, it's it's, it's the relief that's excitement. It's the, all those things that I'm looking forward to. Like that's not just for me, but for my child. So, you know, that's the closing that chapter off for her to be, um, get to be a normal kid because it puts a lot of restrictions, as you know. Um, if, if anyone with a sick child, you've got all these restrictions you put in, but you want them to be a kid and enjoy their life. Like, you know, the times I get um, humbugged by my daughter to go to, you know, a kid's playground, like a massive one, particularly in the middle of COVID and everything, but when her, um, her blood count's really low, you're like, we're not going anywhere near anyone at the moment. Mm. Um, so it's just a tricky one, but it's I want that normality back for her and um, we're almost there. So it's a, that's that exciting, nervous sort of release of all that emotion and the stuff that as a parent you bottle up because you're just getting through because you need to be there and that's what I'm feeling at the moment. Mm. Well, I'm praying that everything's going to be okay, Steve. I can't promise you that it will. I know I said it will be good, but, like, you know, I think when you get to that two-year mark, if if something is wrong, like for, for, for Sophia in particular, in our, in our case, I knew something was wrong for a number of weeks and, it, it, and, and there was something wrong. So I'm going to take the fact that you've got no, you know, something that's really niggling at you other than the trauma of that you know, getting out of it at the other end. So um, hopefully on our next podcast you can share that um, rainbow with us. Um, Just sort of going further on, you know, like we talked about, the waiting game of things and I guess I can I can I can take that to the point I was going to talk about something completely different but just coming off the back of what Stephen said it's just the, the waiting game of the relapse so you know I knew something was wrong with Sophia and there was a number of weeks and each week I kept presenting them with this issue that I said was completely inconsistent with the rest of her maintenance phase and as it happened, you know, there was a concern there um, that led to what Sophia had was um, a relapse in her CNS, which is essential nervous system. And we didn't get that confirmed until we actually got to Sydney. So we knew something was brewing. I literally just packed up having known that I literally packed to go like we weren't coming back just in case. But I was hope, still a little bit hopeful that I was being over the top and wouldn't be coming back. But I thought there's no harm in doing it because all I have to do is just bring it back with me. But there was still that time to wait. You know, when the child goes into theatre, they have their, their bone marrow aspirate, they have their lumbar puncture, and then you wait for the results. And then you, you're back there again. And I just really vividly remember the silence in the room with Sophia we got there on a Friday night and luckily um, we had two brilliant um, fellows that stayed back to do the procedure on a Friday evening for Sophia so we can get the results as soon as possible. And it wasn't until the next day that um, I learned that it, formally that it was a relapse. But just that moment of silence between her going to Sydney, having those procedures done to wait for the actual confirmation, but no one said anything, but they were doing 
everything to look for what they knew was probably there. They didn't say it, but you knew it and that silence and, I don't know, it was deafening. I think that's the only description I can give it at the moment, Um, that waiting of... Yes, that's at the extreme opposed to waiting. I mean, there's no, it's all extreme. Waiting for any result is always extreme. I'm not going to um, lessen a result of any other tests. But it's just that that kind of, you don't want to say anything, the silence. I don't, I'm, I'm really struggling to articulate. That I know exactly. I know exactly yeah. what you're saying. It's the um, and with more silence comes more thoughts that you shouldn't be entertaining. <laughs> and you're thinking, why <laughs> haven't they come in yet to tell me? Or why do they keep walking past this door that has a window? You can see me in. Just pop your head and say, we are all good. Why do they keep looking yeah. and keep walking? Like you, the moments that you have to yourself and the outcomes that you are anticipating, all the different outcomes, um, with more time to yourself, the worse generally the outcome. So I do know exactly what you're saying and I already can feel what that would have felt like for you, Nat, like it would have been horrendous. And now I'm holding my breath, feeling like I'm reliving it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know what? I reckon we have well and truly covered this storm. And all we, like, like Nat said um, to you, Steve, we are sending you nothing but positive vibes, prayers, rainbows, whatever it looks like, whatever you want, we're throwing your way. And we hope that the next podcast we turn that storm of that anxious weight into a rainbow where we hear you party like an absolute rock star. So let's yeah, move on, guys. Let's move on to our rainbow, shall we? Yes, let's do it. Yeah, easy. The rainbow parent connection is such a powerful tool. Right. We've well and truly covered that storm and now we need a bit of sun and possibly a rainbow team. So let's get into it. Um, our rainbow that we've identified this podcast is to talk about how important having a whole group of people around you to support you and Nat if anyone knows how important this is it's a fabulous person like you that's just spent the last 11 months in Sydney with your daughter getting treatment. Thank you Um, so the rainbow you know we're from Canberra and as many of you will understand, you have to relocate for your treatment to Sydney. And a lot of that time, it means that you can't be with your whole family or your extended loved ones because of, you know, the logistics of being there. In our case, it was um, it was obvious that it would be myself that would go to Sydney with Sophia. And that meant being apart from my partner and my son and and all of our family, um, having no direct family in um, Sydney. But, you know, fortunately for us, we had family that's not family. And I was very lucky to have someone that was an old flatmate of mine and who has become a dear friend of many years that became my lifeline when I was in Sydney. And... I I think of her now and I actually spoke to her today five days after getting back, having withdrawals of not speaking to her regularly because, you know, when you're in Sydney, they become your first point of contact and now I'm back home, they're not necessarily my first point of contact. But I think of her and I'm going to mention her name. Her name is Ola and Ola would drop everything to be there 
to do anything for me, to drop a meal, to, you know, meet a request for Sophia, if it's a piece of clothing, um, you know, and and to have that was just absolutely spectacular. Like it's, it's amazing to see how some people just shine through during all this hardship because there's the complete opposite where a lot of people don't. But in this case, I had someone who did shine through. And, and and when I think of a rainbow moment, I think of that person. But that's a very personal experience and maybe not everybody has that. But that's my rainbow that moment. Was your I know rainbow. We're not all what those. a lovely mm-hmm. rainbow to have. We need more olives in our life, I think. Um, Steve, yes. I'm sure you had a, <laughs> a troop that were backing you up um, throughout treatment, but also oh. when you got home and continued to give Marion the maintenance. Yeah, so for me, um, you know, going for nuts talking about, like I am very fortunate to be in Kiev and I grew up here most of my life and um, have, I come from a, you know, Aboriginal family. So it was very hard for me being in Sydney where it was a red zone during COVID, so no one was allowed to visit. Um, so no one could help you, particularly when it was, you know, long days at the hospital or those things. And I was very fortunate to have my uh, older sister to come and uh, she was able to come and visit me in the non-red times, I guess you would say. Um, and that was amazing. I'm very grateful for all that. Um, it's made my life a lot easier, particularly with um, t- taking care of myself and trying to get some me time. Um, but also, you know, whilst there, um, it really reflects on, you know, you're not true friends, but friends who, who are able to, to go above and beyond to really help you during the most difficult times. Um, and I guess it makes you more humble because, I don't know, I don't like blowing my own trumpet or whatever it is like that, but it was really great to see a community of people who actually care. Like, I actually got a text message from a friend in Finland yesterday just to see how Marion's going. In. Um, yeah, just like, hey, how's your daughter? And, yeah, <laughs> there's a whole lot of people know that her, her final test is soon. And it's just great to know that there's that support and I really can't wait the big rainbows at once that all comes back and it's all great, you know, just to have a massive celebration, like a big community party where people can just, it's something for all of them and just, you know, the appreciation of being around family and friends and those things because, you know, they all help in their own way. Like moving back to Canberra, I had friends cook me frozen meals and those things that make my life easier. Um, Whereas in Sydney, that was a lot harder. Um, you know, I was very grateful to have all that support and, um, you know, I know that I could, I knew that I was reassured by all the boys I grew up with. We've got a little group chat. That if I needed something or I needed help, all I need to do was ask and I'd be there. So that was really great. Yeah, I can relate to both of your experiences. And for me, we had, obviously, that's touched on, you leave Canberra, so you leave what's familiar and and your people behind, whether that be, you know, your brothers, your mum and dad, your friends, et cetera, and you go to Sydney, which ironically we had people there, but we hadn't really tapped into those people because often when we'd go to Sydney prior to uh, receiving treatment, we'd go to Sydney to see the zoo. So it'd be an overnighter. You might drop in and, and say hi, but they weren't your people in that you would ask for things or expect anything from them. And I remember um, my husband's family is Tongan, and I remember on week two of relapsing, 
his auntie dropping off some Tongan food and, God, that made my week. <laughs> I, I was thinking I've never tasted such delicious food in all my life, but it was the smallest gesture that they could show that they were there that meant the world. And then they continue to do small things throughout the time that we had had treatment and relapsed, such as taking our laundry and washing it for us um, or offering for yeah. our other kids to come up to Sydney and they would take our kids that were able to go out whilst we were stuck in hospital to, to hang out with them. And those little things um, I'll never forget. And we've got that bond like you do, Nat, with um, Ola and Steve, you would have with your people that you have the group chat. And I don't think I'll ever forget what they did for us, um, particularly it was our home yeah. away from home. Yeah. You just make me laugh about the whole washing thing because that's exactly <laughs> it. It comes down to those small details of going, is there anything I can do? And it's like, you can do my washing. And so embarrassing to ask, but please do my washing. It's <laughs> such a huge thing because as anyone would know oh. at the hospital, when you're bound to those rooms and you've got to use the washroom, it's, you know, sometimes you're waiting in line and then you've got it and you've got to make sure you've got clothes that you can put in the dryer and, you know, and to just to have someone to take it away and you don't have to think about it. And it comes yeah. back all freshly washed, whether it's air dried, in the dryer, you don't have to separate anything. It's just a small thing. And I think the rainbow thing here is for every anyone listening is really try to focus on those small positive things because they're the things that you take away with you and you remember. And and you know, I, I, I get, I still get drowned in sorrow of certain situations. I did just yesterday, but I've got to keep reminding myself of those small, beautiful things because those beautiful things are now times a hundred. And I think yeah. that's what out of this that we've been through, those small little things become so much more. Mm. I, agree. I think that's special. why I've mm. about my, my support group is also my work. The people I work with have been so supportive and, um, yeah, that's been. I've been very fortunate to have all these positive influences from them and also my close mates, or they are like my workmates, are like close mates. So that was really great for me. And they're really pushing me to not to really have that life work balance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, enjoying those moments with your kids and your family. And, you know, that is the most important thing because a job is just a job. You know, and that's really just that focus that came over from me is that's what I want to stay in for a long time is that enjoying watching the kids grow up and be healthy and enjoying that time. It's the simple things, right, team? The yeah, it is. And that's why is I like talking to you guys. Mm. Oh, we like it too, Stephen, and we can't wait for this community party of which we'll invite everyone on this podcast to. Oh. So stay tuned, team. Uh, the next rainbow will tell you where and when for this big community party that Stephen's throwing for us all. Yeah, definitely. 100%. You're all going to be there, 100%. 100%. You heard it first. All right, let's keep it moving and move on to a tip that we might have for the families out there or people that are listening that know someone that's going through it. Time-saving tips.
Okay, we're on to our final uh, thing for this podcast and we think it's something incredibly valuable because you will have lots of social workers tell you lots of fantastic things and some of which aren't applicable to you. So we have tried to really centralise the uh, resources that we suggest to you. So we hope that these are useful to you or people that you know might be going through something similar to our journeys with cancer. Um, Steve, I'm going to handball it to you because you have got one amazing resource that we can tell all our listeners about. Uh, yeah, so um, I guess the one key tip for me particularly lately is to keep talking to a counsellor and getting that support. Um, I'm fortunate enough that I have a friend that uh, is a count- qualified counsellor and specialises in grievances and, you know, used to work with Relationship Australia for a long time. Um, they've got their own um, business now. So it's Dr. Ellie Kirk. Um, they're called letsgrowcounselling.com.au. Uh, she does all online bookings uh, for anyone's needs, so you can look at her up. Um, she's really great at talking to people, particularly with all the experience she's had uh, with Relationships Australia and working out on her own. But I'd encourage you guys to reach out and you know get that support if you need it because it's one of the most important things I've learned through this whole journey is stop bottling stuff up and you know getting that professional support to, I don't know, help myself. Um, you know what, Steve, I actually just wrote that down right now as you were speaking. Three years down the track, I have had a psychologist that I did talk to when I was in Sydney that I was um, um, paired up with um, during my time there, but I kind of feel like I operate better face-to-face or closer to home, and I literally have just written down on a piece of paper here, let's grow counselling. Um, so thank you for that. I will be looking into your recommendation. Awesome. Yeah, I think you can't go wrong with talking to someone in a safe place, particularly like when we touched on our storm and those feelings that you get as it's, you know, the scanxiety that we we feel when we're awaiting outcomes of results or when we receive bad news or we're just anticipating what our new norm looks like. So I think it's very healthy um, to talk to someone. So I think that is one of the most invaluable things that we can pass on to our listeners. So thanks, Steve. Good hookup. I'm just going to add to that. I was always thought I wouldn't um, be the type to talk to anyone and it got to a very hairy point um, during our treatment with Sophia in Sydney and I was just starting to feel like I was completely lost. And I was very fortunate that our team proactively found someone for me. So don't feel like you can't talk to your consultant. Um, You know, when they come in and talk about your child, feel free to say, can you give me any advice on who I can talk to? Because they have a plethora of people around them that can help support us down. And and that's exactly what happened in our situation or in my personal situation. And it was my team that sort of connected me with someone that I had a, I had a release with. So don't feel like you're burdening them because there is the resources there. If, you know, I mean, our social workers are there to do it also, um, but sometimes, you know, I know that they're very busy and and sometimes you don't see them as often as you'd like to, um, but you see your consultancy team every day and they have their supportive team. Um, So do, do look to them also. Mm. I think uh, that concludes us today, team. 
We've had a, a pretty thorough podcast, I think. We've touched on the storm, which was talking about that scanxiety and awaiting the results and what it feels like as an oncology parent. And thank you, Steve, for being so open and sharing how you're feeling. But like I said, we're anticipating our next podcast where we've got our community party because you've got a rainbow to share with us all. Um, and yeah, thanks Nat again for finally getting back to Canberra with us and um, joining us in this podcast without the echo of the hospital, although I was getting quite used to that echo. all right well until next time thanks for tuning in and um yeah keep chasing those rainbows